The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Please call the roll. Good morning, Mr. Chair. It's me today, Ms. Uh, Golden. Ms. Golden, I apologize. I had Mr. Clerk on the agenda. I know, I know. <laughs> no problem. Council President Pro Tem James Tate. Here. Council Member Fred Durhall III. Member uh, Vice Chair did indicate that he will be delayed in uh, arrival today. Safe travel. So note. Council Member Letitia Johnson. Present. President Pro Tem, you have a quorum. Thank you. We have a quorum, which means we're now in session. We'd like to note that we have uh, noticed a quorum of the city council. We've been joined also by member Whitfield Calloway. Good morning. Ma'am. Clerk will so note, Mr. Chair. Thank, Thank you. All right. Uh, Chair, is there a motion to approve the minutes for the last session? Motion. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Just want to let folks know we do have one public hearing scheduled for today at 1015. Uh, and before we go into that uh, public hearing, we are going to go directly into public comment, general public comment. Is there anyone from the public who would like to speak? Please raise your hand. I see a hand in the um, Committee of the Whole Room. Uh, for those who are online, if you're looking to speak about any subject at all to City Council, please raise your hand now. Going once, going twice, going three times. Collection of general public comments have now concluded. Uh, good morning, Mr. Singletary. How are you today? Morning, Mr. Chairman. Well, and yourself? Good, good. How many uh, callers do we have online? Uh, via Zoom, we have three hands raised, but we also have uh, joined by Mr. Cunningham in person. All right. We will start with the Committee of the Whole. Mr. Cunningham, if you could come forward, please. Everyone will get two minutes for general public comment today. And let's get that clock up so that our speakers can know how long they have. Good morning. Hold on one second. Can we maximize the uh, clock for folks, please? Maybe a little hard for someone to see. Mr. Chair, we're going to stop sharing and try again. Okay. Ms. Cunningham, can, can you see that two, two minutes up? Oh, okay. Well, it just, it just no. jumped off the screen there. Okay. I want to be fair with you. Can, can you see that two minutes up there? There it is. All right. It's now full screen. Floor is yours, sir. Good morning. Good morning, Honorable Sir, Honorable uh, Member Calloway, Honorable Member Latusha Johnson. Hello. So everyone at home, of course, y'all know while I'm on the streets, east to west to southwest, I, I give out hand warmers for those waiting out at the bus stops when the buses are late. So just say I see you at the stop and I come back in that area and you stand in there still. And so I know you've been out there too long. Grand River, Gratiot, et cetera. I give them a hand warmer. Thanks to a lot of donations, of course, but mostly from the taxi cab business. Um, that's my 10%, 15% back to the community and bus tickets. I repeat, in regards to city council meetings, you ought to validate people's parking. You know, when they come doing public comment or just coming to witness what's going on here, 
and give bus tickets for those who have come. Um, I really think that, I've said it before, I really think that should be done. Um, you got the juice, you got the power, City Council. Validate people's uh, uh, parking and give them bus tickets when they come to speak or just to listen. Um, there's a virtual community input meeting. If anyone at home needs assistance, um, my contact is 313-444-9114, 313-444-9114, and on Facebook, Forced Subservience Cunningham, Forced Subservience Cunningham. A few of the people that I have brought to meetings actually seen the information on Facebook, so it is anonymous to look, also anonymous to call. There's a message on there about three minutes. I'm hoping everyone in the sound of my voice just listens. Um, but tonight, um, well, to be honest, I've never seen a couple of these council members' staffs actually come to the DDOT meeting. Um, but hopefully, uh, I know Member Callaway has, for sure. Um, hopefully tonight. And thank you all. Thank you for your help. Have a good day. Thank you as well, Mr. Cunningham. We appreciate your assistance and your advocacy. Next caller, or the first caller, please. Mr. Chair, the first caller we have is over with. Uh, over with. The floor is yours. General public comment. You have two minutes. You may begin. Hey, James Tate. What up, though? Hey, uh, I'm going to tell you a couple stories, man. You know, uh, I just saw a video of you thanking um, the Honorable Senior Judge Bernard Friedman. You know, he's a remarkable guy, honorable guy opinionated, smart, wise. He not like you. He different. Another story. I used to have a friend named Charles. I used to call him Bishop. He had a big old church over there on Seven Mile. So we spent some time, you know, late evenings up at his church when I was putting that wall up behind his pulpit. We, uh, had some just interesting discussions. We talked about a lot of things, religion, faith, truth, honesty, right and wrong, the Bible. Very interesting discussions. We had some disagreements too, but he was a real dude, stand-up guy, real dude. Now, I'm gonna tell you, James, this is a reason why you ain't never heard in 25 years about former chief of police, Benny Napoleon, telling falsehoods on the television interviews and um, later on in depositions and stuff like that. It's because it ain't never been put out there. Let me tell you one more thing. You more like Jim Holly than you even know yourself. Because, see, I told him I was sending them emails over there to him, and he knew that Melanie White was intercepting him. But do you think he went and told the members of the commission, commissioners, the board of police commissioners about it? Me and you had a 45-minute long conversation about Kenesha Coleman. Did you tell any of them council members about what you know about Kenesha Coleman? I don't think so. Hmm. Thank you. And what up, though, to you, too? I'm Detroit, baby. <laughs> That's the universal sign. So we're all good. A next caller, please. Mr. Chair, the next caller is Ms. Carol Hughes. Ms. Carol Hughes, thank you for joining us. The floor is yours. You have two minutes. Ms. Carol Hughes, are you there? 
If we can put Miss Carol Hughes back in the end of the queue, we'll come back to her, please. Hello, may I speak? There we go. Yes, ma'am. The floor is yours. Oh, okay. I am calling about uh, on the agenda 6.2, uh, which is uh, ARPA funds for 200 residential homes is increasing it, the contract amount to $1 million. I would I would like to see a list of the homes, these 200 homes, where they are and who they're servicing. Um, the other thing I have on here that I'd like to talk about on your agenda is the 6.3 tiny homes. That seems like a very um, depressing and something. It doesn't have a bathroom. It doesn't have a shower. <clears throat> you're, you, you're treating people like they are slaves, and they're in some type of um, – they're going to fence it off. Um, I, I think we should scrap this idea. I don't think the developer has uh, a feel for the people who live here, and I think it's quite disrespectful to uh, engage in building something like this with our land and using our money to do it with. Um, my, my other um, – uh, the 6.13 is um, – 6.13 – uh, real property. I want to know how come PD and D is transferring this property and it's listed all over the place. It's not in one place, but listing and giving it to uh, the Department of Parks. Why wouldn't they put it back into um, uh, the land bank? That's that's interesting to me. There there are lots of addresses, and I'm not sure why they would be uh, turning them over to uh, parks and recreations. That makes no sense to me. So maybe they can have an answer about that. Uh, and I'd like to know who Hart is and what kind of track record do they have. And on 612, who is this Rafik Petroleum? And I want to know what activities will they be doing at that site. We have Marathon and Usher. Thank you so much. Our next caller, please. The next caller is Ms. Karen Winston. Aaron Winston, thank you for joining us. Uh, the floor is yours. You have two minutes. You may begin. Hello? Yes, ma'am. We can hear you. Oh, great. Good morning. Um, I have a couple things I'd like to speak on this morning. Um, one thing would be um, uh, oh, the agenda. So we got to get this agenda. Um, I don't know why you guys dole them out one at a time, because that's basically like you're not... Uh, letting us see it. So I didn't get a chance to see the agenda today. I don't know what's on that agenda. When I looked earlier, it wasn't up there. That was, you know, earlier this morning, but it's supposed to be available, um, I think in 18 hours, but it wasn't there in 18 hours. So I'm not sure exactly what time it came out, but we need to get it on, you know, out there. Uh, I don't know why you can't put it on there. You know, put the, put the agenda on there, stop doling them out to us one at a time. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, another thing is, um, the um, our property taxes every year they you know uh, so the assessor's office keeps putting the trash fee I've already uh, you know back uh, they're taking my discount off so if I don't catch it you know I'm just getting you know billed extra uh, as a fee so I've already done it I've taken my driver's license they see I live at my house I've always lived at my home I've proved it and what that one year uh, they corrected it, but now I see it, they've changed it again. I don't understand why, you know, we have to catch all of your mistakes. Not yours personally, but yours too. But, you know, I mean, why do we have to catch all of the mistakes and try to get you guys to do what, you know, what's proper? I, I don't think that's, um, I mean, that's not a good deal for the taxpayers. Uh, 
Public Act 57. Uh, um, this is a, it's not new. It, it's as of um, 2018. So we got to get these the names. I asked for them earlier, and someone said just go to the website. But if we don't know what authorities they are, we can't go. We can't look for them. So we need to know the names of these authorities so we can go to the site and try to validate them. Uh, it doesn't seem like you guys do a great job. Thanks. Thank you. Next caller, please. Mr. Chair, that was the final caller, noting that caller ending in 534 raised their hand after public comment concluded. All right. Thank you so much. This now uh, concludes our general public comments for today. Uh, let's get back to this agenda. There we go. All right. We've got a couple of minutes before. Well, one minute before uh, the 1015 public hearing. So let's see if we can sneak one in here. Uh, line item five, if we can go to uh, line item uh, unfinished business line item 5.1 status of council president Mary Sheffield a member uh, council member Angela Whitfield Calloway requesting updates on the state fairground Amazon fulfillment facility uh, is there a motion to discuss motion thank you so we have been made aware that there is a uh, formal session discussion that is being scheduled in the upcoming weeks and uh, thought it would be more appropriate for us to uh, postpone or remove this item from the agenda today uh, in speaking with uh, certainly with council president who's setting that up I know that we have member uh, Whitfield Callaway here today are, are you okay with us post removing this thank you all right so uh, member Johnson is there a motion to remove line item 5.1 as we uh, anticipate the uh, formal session discussion in the upcoming weeks Motion to remove line item 5.1. There's a motion to remove line item 5.1 from the agenda. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Thank you so much. And that now takes us into the 1015 public hearing. Now I'd like to call it to order. Will the parties who are participating please queue up? 1015 public hearing is to establish an obsolete property rehabilitation certificate on behalf of 16530 East Warren LLC in the area of 16350 East Warren Avenue, Detroit, Michigan, in accordance with Public Act 146 of 2000. The parties who are participating, please introduce yourselves for the record. Justice Cook, HRD. Good morning and Happy New Year uh, to the Planning and Economic uh, Development Subcommittee here. Uh, Catherine Frazier with the Detroit Economic Growth Corporation. Good morning. Hi, everybody. Eddie Carrington, um, the developer of 16530 East Warren, which is uh, the ribbon. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Mr. Chair. Derek Head, LPD. Good morning, Mr. Head. All right, who would like to begin? I will. Thank you. To the chair, 16530 East Warren LLC is requesting an obsolete property rehabilitation certificate in the area of 16530 East Warren Avenue. The proposed project will rehabilitate a mixed-use development that will include a cafe slash restaurant and a market on the ground floor and two residential floors with a total of 18 residential units. This application is for a certificate, and this is the final public hearing currently scheduled in front of this honorable committee before a certificate may be approved and issued. The petitioner and DEGC is present to answer any additional questions. Thank you. Thank you. Who would like to proceed? 
to uh, protemptate, if I may share my screen to share a presentation, I will um, briefly describe how the abatement works. And then um, Mr. Carrington will speak more to his um, project and um, all of the community engagement and other elements related to it, if I may share my screen. Sure. Thank you. And Madam Clerk, if you can please note that we've been joined by Member Vice Chair Durhaw. Good morning, sir. Clerk will so note, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Good morning. And as uh, Mr. Cook uh, shared, uh, that the request today is for a obsolete property rehabilitation certificate at 16530 uh, East Warren uh, with the associated LLC uh, in accordance uh, with the public act of 146 of 2000. Um, the location is along the East Warren or corridor at 16530 East Warren. And uh, the project is being uh, led out by Mr. Carrington uh, and his development team. If I may take a moment here and um, describe how this uh, tax incentive works. Uh, the Obsolete Property Rehabilitation Act provides a reduction on the future increase of property taxes as a result of the rehabilitation of an existing obsolete commercial and residential properties. Uh, the developer will continue to pay the current taxes on um, as well as the taxes on the increased land value, which is shown in uh, the green on this chart. And after improving the property, the taxable value will increase. And if there was no abatement applied, um, the uh, amount of taxes paid on the property will increase shown by the teal and the yellow. The yellow portion is the amount of taxes that the uh, OPRA tax abatement will exempt from the payment to the local taxing jurisdictions. The blue portion is the increase that will be paid. So in total, the developer will pay the current taxes on the property, as well as the portion of the increase in the property taxes assessed, represented by the blue and the teal. And the incentive can last for up to 12 years. Uh, at this point, I'm going to um, pass it over to Mr. Carrington to talk through the uh, existing property, and then I will come back and make the recommendation of the length of the term and discuss the financial uh, net benefit uh, prior to Mr. Head's report. All right, so um, back in February of 2020, um, Invest Detroit actually sought proposals uh, to rehabilitate uh, 16530 East Warren, which uh, was uh, previously an old Charter One bank. And uh, it actually uh, comes with um, a few parcels. It has the actual uh, building itself. It also has a parking lot uh, to the right of the building. And then across the street off uh, over Kensington, there is a secondary parking lot um, that is next to a cleaner's. And um, our project and our team actually won this RFP process um, with direct input from uh, the community uh, in order to uh, redevelop this project into a three-story mixed-use facility. Uh, as mentioned earlier, uh, converting it into um, retail for the first level and two levels of residential up top. Uh, and so our focus was after gaining feedback from the community, 
making sure that uh, on the residential side, uh, we actually put units uh, within this facility that have bedrooms. Uh, so we're um, we're having uh, mostly one bedroom units and two two bedroom units. Uh, so no studios. Uh, and uh, for the first level, uh, we uh, spent a lot of time tracking down uh, a tenant that uh, the community um, that the community has been asking for, uh, or that is is willing to serve the community based off of what what they what they've been looking for, uh, which was a restaurant, um, you know, a, a sit down uh, institution. And uh, we actually have a lease signed with the tenant. Uh, the tenant is uh, a local uh, resident of East English Village. Uh, and uh, they uh, have Asian cuisine. Uh, they have pop-ups uh, over on the east side. And they are um, really, really excited to be able to expand their business um, within this facility, within the community that they live um and 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 we're all, we're all also excited too because we we spent a lot of time tracking down uh a, a retail tenant uh that could service the community the right way um back to the residential units uh of the 18 units uh 10 of the units are going to be at or between 70 and 80% AMI three of the units uh will be at 60% and one unit will be at 50% AMI um as far as community engagement is concerned, uh, oh, and let's go back to that one slide. Sorry about that. So as far as uh, job creation, um, we want to make sure that uh, with our GC, who is uh, Detroit-based, uh, we, we try our best at folding in um, contractors that are local to the, to the area. And so that is uh, definitely one of the things that uh, we are striving for as we build out this project um, effective, uh, effectively, efficiently, and as quickly as possible. Um, so we have 36 projected construction jobs and four projected full-time retail jobs from the tenant. As far as uh, community engagement, um, we've been at this for over two plus years. And so uh, we've had an opportunity to uh, talk to the community uh, on a number of uh, in a number of uh, scenarios. So we've held seven virtual community meetings that averaged roughly around 45 attendees. And this was during the heart of uh, um, COVID. And I'm not sure if I'm running out of time here. Uh, so if I am, I just want to point out that, uh, you know, with us being roughly two plus years in, I do want to point out that we have talked to the community even as of recent being at the East English Village Association meeting uh, on the 11th of, of January uh, in order to make sure we stay connected with the community and keep them informed on where we're at with the project and to make sure that they know that we're inching closer and closer uh, to the uh, groundbreaking and, and the start of construction. Ms. Ferguson? Uh Sure. As I uh, stop sharing um, the screen here, uh, I'd like to just um, remind this honorable body that on uh, April 12th of 2022, that the obsolete property commercial rehabilitation district was um, established. 
and that um, on November 22nd of 22, the city of Detroit's assessor's office wrote a letter confirming that this project meets the eligibility requirements for an obsolete property rehabilitation exemption certificate that um, DGC, we've uh, done a thorough underwriting and fiscal net um, impact analysis, and the project demonstrates a financial need for an abatement. Our, our term, uh, our recommendation is for a full 12-year term. Um, for context, the existing property, uh, the existing taxes on the property are $9,446. And upon the completion of this uh, development project, the property uh, taxes are estimated to be $28,647 after the abatement is applied, which is a net increase of $19,201 in annual uh, property taxes. Um, with the job creation associated with the, the project, um, the projected net benefit is estimated to be $211,682 uh, over the 12 years. Um, that concludes our presentation and we welcome any uh, questions. Oh, forgive me, Mr. Head will go and share his portion and then we will welcome any questions you may have. Thank you. All right, Mr. Head, this is your your turn, floor is yours, sir. Thank you, Mr. Chair. As stated earlier, this project is incentivized through the Obsolete Property Rehabilitation Act, Public Act 146 of 2000, which provides for a tax incentive to encourage the redevelopment of obsolete buildings. This tax incentive is designed to assist in the redevelopment of older buildings that are contaminated, blighted, or functionally obsolete and returning them to the tax rolls. The project developer of the property located at 16530 East Warren, located in the East English Village area, is 16530 East Warren LLC, with its principal, Mr. Eddie Carrington. The project consists of the redevelopment of the property into a residential and mixed-use commercial retail development. The developer plans to convert the current one-story, 5,700-square-foot former bank building and surface parking lots into a three-story, 18,000-square-foot mixed-use building that includes a cafe-slash-restaurant and a market on the first floor and two residential floors above. Once completed, the project will entail a one-story, non-combustible podium with the residential portion above constructed of light frame wood. A total of 30 parking spaces will be located between the main parking lot west of the building and a secondary parking lot located on the east side of Kensington Avenue across the street from the building. As indicated earlier by Mr. Carrington, uh, the first four retail spaces estimated at a, a total of 7,300 square feet. The two residential floors are each estimated to be 6,925 square feet. The ribbon, as it will be called, will have 18 residential units with 14 as affordable units, ranging from 50 to 80% AMI, which is 87.5% of the units, which is a very high allocation for affordable housing. Uh, of those apartments, uh, 16 one-bedroom and two-bedroom units overall, 10 of the units are projected to be at or between 
70% AMI, which is roughly about $1,100 to $1,300 a month, which is 62.5% of the units. Three units are projected to be at 60% AMI with rents around $923 to $960 a month, which is 18 and three quarter percent of the units. And one unit is projected to be at or below 50% AMI, which would be at about $750 to $839 a month, which is roughly 6.25% of the units. In February of 2022, the Detroit City Council approved the Rimbit Brownfield redevelopment plan requested by the developer for a $1,005,170 TIP reimbursement with the overall value of the plan estimated at $1,803,759, which includes local brownfield costs. Moving right along. The estimated total capital investment for this project is $7,568,405. It is also estimated that the completed project will create four tenant jobs and 36 temporary construction jobs. And the total value of this 12-year OPRA tax savings is estimated at $701,463. The existing annual taxes on this property are $9,446. The new annual taxes generated during the, the time of the incentive will rise to $28,647. And the taxes after the incentive expires will rise to $81,994. Based on the investment in jobs and also accounting for the impact of the associated brownfield tax capture, the project is estimated to provide the city of Detroit a net benefit of $211,682, and all of the impacted taxing units, a net benefit of $265,947 over the 12 years of the OPRA tax abatement. Finally, the legislative body of the qualified local government unit may, by resolution, revoke the obsolete property rehabilitation exemption certificate of a facility if it finds that the completion of the rehabilitation of the facility has not occurred within the authorized time frame by the legislative body in the exemption certificate or a duly authorized extension of that time, or that the holder of the obsolete property exemption certificate has not proceeded in good faith with the operation of the rehabilitative facility in a manner consistent with the purposes of this act and the absence of circumstances that are beyond the control of the holder of the exemption certificate. So that is located in the statute. And Mr. Chair, that completes my report and I thank you. Thank you, Mr. Head, much appreciated. All right, uh, colleagues, any questions, concerns, comments regarding this particular project? I know it's located in District 4, the District 4 in the city of Detroit. <laughs> Uh, so we'll open the floor uh, first to Member Johnson if you have any comments, concerns um, about the item. Thank you, Mr. Chair, uh, and thank you all so much for the presentation. I know that uh, Mr. Carrington came before us to uh, create the district previously. 
I have been working very closely um, or staying connected to Mr. Carrington as it relates to this project. Um, it is in District 4. It is around the corner from my house. Um, so looking forward to seeing the property come online. Uh, it has been vacant for some time, um, but looking forward to the addition. I, I will say that um, I know my colleague is going to ask some questions, and so um, as, as we've heard in the, in the media that property values have increased, uh, and they have been increasing over the past several years, um, rental rates in our neighborhood have skyrocketed, uh, and so we appreciate the affordability that's being presented within this project and and just appreciate that a Detroiter is doing the development. So Mr. Carrington, um, thank you for, you know, even entertaining the idea of working in this corridor because we don't see a lot of development in District 4. Uh, and now we're starting to see more with you and a couple of other projects in a, a small area. Um, so we appreciate you for that. I do know that, you know, construction costs continue to rise, and um, I know that there have been some challenges with financing the project, so um, I hope that you are able to, to still move forward uh, to be able to, for us to see this come to fruition. So thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Uh, Member Vice Chair. Thank you, Mr. Chair, and good morning to everyone. Um, first, I, I think this is a very good project as well, echoing some of the comments of Member Johnson. Uh, a couple of questions, though. I know you mentioned the AMI. Can we talk specifically what those rent numbers are? I know sometimes we give the percentages, uh, and the public doesn't understand what that percentage is. And so can we uh, give a deeper understanding of what those are, you know, mention the AMI, and then tell us what specifically those rents are per month? He did already. Were you asleep? That was given. Uh, through the chair, um, I just want to point out, uh, and, and I think that uh, is is important to be mindful of, as uh, the the numbers, um, you know, versus the percentage um, is, you know, it, it definitely helps digest it a little bit better. And so, um, of the eighteen units, we have one unit projected at. Uh, 50% AMI, and, and what that equates to dollar-wise, that's $750 a month. Uh, we have three units projected at 60% AMI. Uh, that's $960 a month. Uh, and then we also have 10 units between 70 and 80%, uh, which could range from uh, 1130 uh, up to uh, 1270 1275. Uh, and I, I just need to bring up the, the AMI chart changes uh, every year, uh, which uh, I think the updated AMI for 2023 has came out. Um, but uh, based off of uh, based off of the previous a or the either the previous or the current AMI breakdown, uh, we do meet uh, those requirements. But uh, hopefully that uh, gives you uh, a better um, um, and, and the individuals attending this call a better understanding of, of exactly what that what that cost um, you know breakdown is uh, and you know to be honest it has been a bit challenging to kind of um, 
keep those uh, those numbers in line. But thanks to um, you know the opportunities such as Oprah uh, and um, you know there there is gap funding that we're um, taking advantage from uh, via Invest Detroit and their strategic neighborhood funding uh, that in turn helps us um, provide the number of affordable units uh, that we're able to. Um, did I answer your question, council member? Yes, and I wanna thank you for that. And note uh, to Ms. Hughes, we are, we're not asleep, but I think it's a great uh, time to reiterate what those uh, costs are for folks who may have missed it. Uh, but just good to continue uh, and establish and define what affordability is here uh, in the city. And again, I think that's really good for this project. My second question, through you, Mr. Chair, uh, deals with the parking. I know there are spaces, I think 30 spaces included within this project for residential parking is free, correct? Uh, for residential parking, uh, we are um, considering uh, a fee of $25. Uh, however, for the affordable units, we're looking to break down that fee um, based upon the affordability of the unit that the um, the tenant um, is 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 uh, approved for, and so uh, you know that just helps for the upkeep of the parking lot. Uh, we're going to have security in the parking lot, um, and uh, we, we at this moment feel that uh, you know having that parking fee uh, will be beneficial for our residential tenants who stay uh, at the ribbon. So, so I guess, and I know we see many of these projects come before us, uh, mm -hmm. and we talk about affordability, uh, and it's based off of the ability to be able to pay is considered affordable when it consumes uh, no higher than 30% of your income and, and things like that. So uh, when we add the parking cost on there sometimes, though, it, it shoots the rate up to where it may not be affordable, and although it's $25, I guess my question is, particularly with this project, is there's going to be another component attached to it. Uh, you're not charging those folks who utilize uh, the parking to be able to frequent that establishment, yet uh, we're going to charge folks who live there uh, for the parking, and they are the ones who uh, idealistically are paying monthly to keep the whole building going. Uh, and so I, I would hope, you know, it is my hope that we would find a way uh, to uh, kind of uh, offset that parking cost uh, for those residents, particularly those who are going to live in the affordable units, um, you know, so so they don't have to kind of bear the brunt of, you know, what that is. Uh, through the chair, that's a great point. And, you know, at this, uh, at this point where we're at, uh, we are, you know, kind of considering that as well. And, you know, at the end of the day, the $25 um, parking fee uh, will not make or break, uh, you know, our, our, our ability to cover our debt. And so, um, you know, that is, that is one of the things that we're, we're flexible on. And, um, you know, we will, you know, definitely keep that in mind uh, and we're also not uh, locked into this um, thought of, you know, forcing the residents to pay pay for parking. But we will definitely strongly consider that feedback as well as uh, understand uh, where our tenants are with with that potential um, with that potential cost. Okay, thank you, Mr. Chair.
Thank you, Member Vice Chair. And uh, you were reading my mind about the uh, question regarding the, the parking. And if we can just, again, I don't want to beat a dead horse deader, so to speak, mm -hmm. but uh, what's, what's the necessity? I know we get this often from these developments, and I know typically they're in areas when, when we start talking about having the residents pay for parking, it's typically in areas where you have a lot of uh, high traffic and you're trying to, um, trying to uh, prevent, so to speak, those you know, patrons of other businesses from parking in their parking spaces uh, and, and eating up all the spaces for the residents. What's, what, why, and I know you're saying that you're contemplating, but we're here today in front of us uh, for an approval or potentially a recommendation of a denial. What's the necessity? What's the thought process? I mean, I get it that every dollar helps, but to Member Vice Chair's point, these are the folks that are actually staying at that location um, and helping to support, you know, the the, the upkeep and uh, the maintenance through their rents uh, at that particular facility while you have patrons who are just going to go in and out using the same parking lot. Uh, Maybe not. Uh, can we make sure that Ms. Hughes is not able to uh, chime in again? I can't blame her. We've got to put her on mute, please. Uh, so you can talk to us about that. What? What's the necessity? I mean, it's one thing we were talking about, and again, in the entertainment district, town area, CBD, but now we're in the neighborhood. Um, to me, that's we to provide the, the most incentive possible for folks to not just move in that location, but you know, feel proud about it, you know, and use every dollar, like you said, it, it may not make or break your development, uh, but it very well make a difference with the. Uh, the tenant who's in your uh, facility, uh, $25, $15, whatever that number is. Um, talk to us about that. I mean, just the, the methodology, the thought, the ideology behind uh, even why we're still contemplating parking, paying, having tenants pay for parking uh, in a neighborhood development. Uh, to the chair, uh, it is it is a very good point. Uh, one thing that um, you know we just want to point out is um, you know just making sure that the tenants um, have the proper security um, with regard to uh, their their vehicles in our parking lot, and so making sure that we're able to cover you know and provide an adequate amount of uh, of coverage uh, you know for for their for their property. Uh, specifically their vehicles, uh, that's, that fee, <clears throat> excuse me, as, uh, although small, uh, it could help with, with covering that cost. You know, as, uh, as I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, you know, in order for us to, to offer the affordability aspect, um, you know, this is a majority affordable uh, project. And so, um, you know, the, uh, the revenue, um, you know, is, is uh, you know, able to cover the, the debt service, but, um, you know, every bit does help when it comes to the developer side to be able to help with covering and providing those services to the tenant uh, and in order to make sure that tenant um, has a comfortable lifestyle, um, you know, and, you know, it, it's, you know, it's, it's just a, a thought process where uh, we, we'd love for the tenant to think through, you know, and have that comfort of being able to park uh, on site, um, and in order for, for them to, you know, once again, make sure that they, um, feel comfortable with an adequate amount of, you know, security, 
Uh, we're thinking through Greenlight, which has a cost associated with it, um, and 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 ultimately hoping that that gives the tenant that peace of mind that they're looking for. Um, and you know, of course, that that extra cost, uh, you know, uh, could be hef hefty for an individual um, on a budget. Uh, you know, however, you know, this this could be also a case by case scenario um, or it could be after we look at, you know, the the offerings from, um, you know, uh, uh, services like Greenlight and and potentially the uh, the possibility of, of of of, you know, partnering with other businesses on the corridor and bringing that cost down where that uh, parking fee um, could be, you know, completely wiped out based off of. Uh, certain certain circumstances. Got it. I see your your hand, uh, Ms. Frazier. Uh, but before we we go to your question or your res your response, excuse me. Um, and, and all we see right now from the the picture that's before us is just a flat lot. Um, what are we talking about? That is, are we talking about separate parking for the tenants than we are for the general? Uh, patrons, um, I know you just threw out a couple of things which you're contemplating, but again, this is before us now to have a better, a more solid idea of what the actual plan is. Are we talking about gated parking? Are we talking about uh, you know, other, you know, covered parking? What type of parking are we, we, we mentioned? Because we've actually had to go in on some of these other developers doing nothing different for the, the residents, uh, or excuse me, for the tenants, and still charging, you know, 150 or, or, or more for, for parking. So just to give us an idea of what what has been etched in stone and how soon will we be able to uh, have a better understanding of what is going to be uh, put in place? Uh, to the chair, we are looking at um, designated parking for the, for the tenants. Um, and uh, we are also looking at, um, we are also looking at gated parking uh, for, uh, uh, for the sectioned off parking lot uh, across from uh, Kensington. Uh, the parking lot across from Kensington will not be able to hold uh, all 18 residents. Uh, and so, um, you know, with that being said, uh, you know, we, we are also are looking at, you know, uh, making sure that we accommodate with the, with the big parking lot with uh, back to the point of, um, um, allocated parking for, for each unit. Okay. And Mr. Carrier, I don't want you to think we're beating you up because these are questions we ask Not a problem. all yep. developers that come our way. Yep. Um, and we definitely, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you myself, I, li I love the affordability um, that we have in front of us. It's just a matter of what well, we don't know, we don't know. So we have to ask those questions. So Completely understandable. Um, my other question that I always ask about the affordable units is how will they be placed within the development? Uh, are we looking at the uh, those that have the deeper affordability being on the ground floor or the top floor uh, or spread out? Talk to us about the schematics of where the uh, affordable units and, you know, are we looking at um, the most affordable units being the ones that have only one bedroom? Uh, we don't have that information in front of us. So can you break that down for us? Yep. So <clears throat> each floor plan is... Uh basically the or not basically is the exact same so floor two and floor three are carbon copies of themselves and so uh the affordability units are you know baked in across uh each of the residential um floors 
Uh, each floor is going to have one two-bedroom unit. Uh, so there are only two two-bedroom units in this project. Um, and we wanted to fit in at least two two-bedroom units. We didn't want to make it an all-one-bedroom uh, project just to give um, a, a, a larger or, or a family uh, an opportunity to, to be able to take advantage of this project as well. Um, of those two-bedroom units, none of those uh, two bedrooms are uh, considered affordable. But the other, out of the, uh, out of the, but all of our affordability is within those one-bedroom units. Okay. And then my very last question, this is one that we ask again in terms of ADA uh, accommodations. Are we looking at any of the, the uh, units having wider doors or uh, any other accommodations for those who may be will, that, that, that may have will, wheelchair or mobility issues uh, but need wheelchair accessibility. Um, talk to us about you know, not just necessarily reaching the requirements of the ADA uh, law, but are there mm -hmm. any additional above and beyond that we're doing, seeing again that this is smack dab in a neighborhood, not so-called in the high rent district? <laughs> Yeah, and uh, they all of our units will be ADA compliant. Um, it also is important to point out that we are uh, building um, an elevator for uh, the second and third floor residents, uh, which um, you know provides uh, that extra you know level of of, of accessibility. Um, you know, which also you know is 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 a necessity for a project like this, putting an elevator into a project, but uh, we want to make sure that, um, you know, the entry into the elevator um, and, and the lobby itself is, is um, you know, uh, fluent enough and airy enough and, and, and you know, giving the, the residents the ability to not feel cramped um, within, um, you know, within the lobby, within the hallways, uh, and within their units uh, on top of, you know, being ADA compliant. Even though we're talking one-bedroom units, uh, we're trying our best to make these units as comfortable for the tenant as possible. All right. Thank you so much. Colleagues, any additional questions, concerns, comments before we go to the public? Uh, Member Vice Chair. Thank you. And and I just want to reiterate, we, we are not beating you up. I think it's a great project. Uh, I do like to hear the fact that you're taking the extra steps relative to uh, building that elevator uh, and ensuring that it will be ADA compliant so uh, residents can get up and down. But again, just please strongly consider the parking. You know, I'm not a mathematician, but that's a, a, a revenue for you guys of $750 a month, which is $9,000 a year. Um, if it's $25 per spot, maybe lower based off of affordability. Uh, and I know you were saying that's not going to make or break the project. Uh, I do get it relative to the parking. Uh, but, you know, if there's amenities, if it's covered parking, you know, maybe there's one thing. But if it's a flat service with just a gate, uh, that's that's a bit different. Uh, and so uh, we'll just strongly urge you to consider that. And hopefully we can hear a little bit more about your ideas on that um, even before uh, if it goes to the table on Tuesday. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Member Johnson. Thank you, Mr. Chair. So, um, Mr. Carrington, you are hearing these questions. And I know my colleagues always ask about parking and the cost of parking. Let me say I appreciate the $25 rate um, because many times we hear of $125 plus per month. Um, so 
I'm not sure if they would have preferred that you baked the $25 into the rental rate or not, but um, I still think that it is deeply affordable. Uh, recognizing that we have duplexes that rent for $1,500 a month uh, just around the corner from this property. Uh, and so just want to make sure we put, we keep things in context. Uh, and then also recognizing that there are three significant projects that are slated to happen within this corridor. And I think parking is going to become a tremendous issue. Uh, and even for the the patrons of the restaurant, um, they will be parking on East Warren, uh, trying to figure out somewhere to park. I know parking and businesses have always been a challenge in the city of Detroit. This corridor is nothing different. Um, but so certainly appreciate the accommodations for off-street parking for the tenants and at such a low cost. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Any further colleagues? Seeing none, we shall now go to public comment. Is there anyone from the public who would like to speak on our 10-15 public hearing? That is the presentation that you just witnessed. Uh, that is line item four. Please raise your hand now. Going once, going twice, going three times. Collection of public comments for the 10-15 public hearing has now concluded. Uh, how many callers do we have and who do we have first? Mr. Chair, we have three callers beginning with over with. All right, we're going to give everyone for public hearing today one minute uh, public comment. So let's get the clock up for folks. Once we have the clock up, we'll give over with the green light to go. All right, it's over with. The floor is yours. You have one minute. Now, I would caution council to be wary on the um, numbers and the information coming from the DECG, um, DEGC, and um, LPD in regards to, uh, well, LPD especially because we know the director over there, David Whitaker, likes to present false misleading information to the city council. But I want to applaud Mr. Carrington, and uh, I think it's a, development is a great idea. And not only should he get all the incentives that he's asking for and the abatements and whatever exemptions he needs. He, the DEC should afford him with one of those loans like they're giving out to the, uh, you know, the DDA is giving out to the Illich, uh, Chris Illich and Stephen Ross over there. They should give Mr. Karen the same thing. And I did notice that both Mr. Durhall and Mr. Tate, you asked a lot of questions. I never hear you ask those questions when um, other developers come forward, but just noted that you asked, you know, some serious questions. Thank you, sir. Try to do my job. Next caller, please. Next caller is Ms. Carol Hughes. Ms. Carol Hughes, thank you for joining us. The floor is yours. Have one minute, ma'am. Good morning, uh, panel and council. Uh, may I speak? The floor is yours, ma'am. Thank you. Um, my name is Carolyn Hughes, and I do agree with uh, NEZ. Uh, the project, I think, is a good project, and I love to see uh, our people, especially people, Detroiters and black people, uh, benefiting from these uh, programs because that's actually who should be benefiting in this city. <clears throat> and uh, about the parking, $25 is minimum. You should go to the water department and ask him why they're having people pay for runoff. He still has to pay for runoff. Um, that's uh, $25 is minimal. And uh, you, you guys could offer waivers. Uh, go down to the uh, – like the gentleman was 
Oberman was saying, you can get money from them and have them subsidize the parking for the, for the people if you if you're so concerned. Um, but thank you, young man, um, for uh, coming back to Detroit and trying to do something in Detroit. Thank you. Thank you. Next caller, please. Next and final caller is Ms. Karen Winston. Ms. Winston, the floor is yours. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Um, as far as this um, project goes, don't you guys get a fee? Don't you still get a fee um, in, in addition to the minimal tax that we're going to get? I think you guys get a fee. I'm just wondering where does that fee go? You know, how do we um, keep account of that? And then the other thing is that DEGC. Now, so they have to file reports. And if these, um, we got affordable units, are these counting in our total affordable for the city? You know what I mean? I mean, we got, you know, Maritilla, we got thousands and thousands of affordable housing. Do these count towards that? Because if they do, then I'm wondering who's going to, um, you know, make sure that uh, they don't raise the they don't raise the rent because they're going to have their taxes going to be steady for 12 years. So are these lease are these rental payments going to be steady for 12 years? I'd like to know that. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, so the answer to your last question is yes, uh, this will count towards the uh, total affordable units that we as the city um, note. And analyze, collect. Uh, so that is the answer to your, your last question there. Uh, all right. That takes us to the end of public comment for this particular line item. Colleagues, any additional questions, concerns regarding line item five? Excuse me, four. My apologies. Seeing none, is there a motion, colleagues? Uh, Mr. Chair, I move that we send line item four to formal with the recommendation to approve. There's a motion to send to approve line item four and send the form with a recommendation to approve. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Thank you so much. And this now closes out our 10-15 public hearing. Thank you. Thank you. We now go back to the agenda under unfinished business, line items 5.2 uh, through 5.4. These are all contracts regarding the Detroit uh, Detroit Landlord Tenant Legal Council, DLTLC. This is representation uh, for those individuals who are going through eviction proceedings. Colleagues, is there a motion to discuss line items 5.2 through 5.4? So moved. Thank you. Uh, good morning, Ms. Neblett. I see you on the screen there. How are you? Good morning. Good morning to this body. Thank you very much. Good morning. I think you brought somebody with you. Uh, if you can introduce yourself, please. Um, good morning. I'm Valerie McIntosh, ERAP2 manager for the city. All right. Good morning. Now, we did get a request from uh, council president to uh, postpone these, uh, to bring back these particular items because our office, and she did indicate she had a few more questions uh, regarding this, this these items. Um, but wanted to find out if there, you know, we asked the question last week, want to ask it again this week, if there, if a one week, additional one week bring back on this particular item, these items, excuse me, will uh, create any uh, difficulty for us executing um, uh, assistance to those who are experiencing eviction. 
Um, to Council President Pro Tem Tate, thank you very much for the question. My understanding is these are emergency contracts through the law department, so work can proceed. We do uh, want to get approval so that we do not have to come back to this honor honorable body um, for any uh, costs that were incurred if the contracts are not approved. But work is proceeding um, and the attorneys are continuing to provide legal representation as a part of Sarah Rental Assistance. Okay. Well, it sounds like it should not be uh, too harmful uh, for us to move, uh, excuse me, postpone or bring back these items. I got to use the right terminology. Bring these items back uh, in one week to allow council president to ask additional questions. I know that member Callaway also uh, had a hold on these items and it may have additional questions as well. So, colleagues, is there a motion to uh, bring back in one week line items 5.2 through 5.4? So moved. Seeing no objections, we shall bring back line items 5.2 through 5.4. Those actions shall be taken. Thank you, and thank you all for joining us. Thank you. Line item 5.5, status of council member Mary Waters, submitting memorandum relative to requests for report relative to low-income housing tax credit funding. Uh, colleagues, we did have an opportunity to speak to HRDs and LPD, and both are requesting a three-week bring back to complete the memo response. Is there a motion to bring back line item 5.5 in three weeks? So moved. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Line item 5.6, status of planning and development department, submitting resolution authorization for property sale of uh, one, two, three, four, uh, four properties along Charmers to Beauty Ascension Services. Colleagues, is there a motion to discuss, please? So moved. Thank you. I know that we did have an opportunity to speak. Member Johnson, I believe this was one that you had some concerns about. Uh, Member Johnson, the floor is yours. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, I really just wanted to have an opportunity to speak with the developer to get an understanding of what he was planning to do and, and understanding his capacity. Uh, and so I have had that opportunity, and I feel comfortable with moving forward. Thank All right. you. Thank you. Uh, is there a motion to approve and send the formal line item 5.6? So moved. There is a motion to send line item 5.6 to form with the recommendation to approve. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. On to new business, line item 6.1, submitting contract uh, resolution authorization for contract number 6003197-A2. This is uh, amendment uh, number two for 100% grant funding. Will the parties who are participating please queue up? Again, 100% uh, grant funding, amendment number two, to provide an extension of time and increase of funds to mitigate housing instability as a result of economic crisis. Uh, will the parties who are participating, can you see yourself on the screen, please introduce yourself for the record. Hi, I'm Caleb Parent with HRD. Good morning. Good morning. Do right, you have anyone joining you or are you solo today? It looks like I am solo. Okay, you may be able to answer any questions we have. Um, colleagues, any questions, concerns regarding this particular item? Uh, Member Johnson. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Just li would like to request um, a detailed report. I'm always interested in knowing how many residents have been serviced with this funding, um, the types of services and support that has been provided to residents. So if someone can please provide that information to our office, we would appreciate it. We did ask the same request of um, an item that was on the agenda last week as well. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Member Johnson. That was on my list as well. 
Uh, can, can any idea, uh, any information can provide the body before, um, you know, outside of a request of a memo of the questions that member Johnson just raised? How many yes. folks served in the past? Yeah, to the chair. Since the, through the length of their contract, since it began, they've served about 390 clients, Jefferson East on their own. Um, we do collect reporting every month, so I can send that to you all. Member Johnson, how do you feel about that? All right. Thank you so much. Uh, colleagues, any additional questions regarding line item 6.1? Seeing none, is there a motion? I move to send line item 6.1 to formal with a recommendation to approve. There's a motion to send line item 6.1 to formal with a recommendation to approve. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Thank you so much. Line item 6.2, submitting resolution authorization for contract number 6004551-A1. Uh, this is 100% ARPA funding, amendment number one, to provide an increase of funds only for roof replacement and related construction services for up to 200 residential homes. Uh, is there a motion to discuss and or approve, colleagues? I move for a discussion. There is a motion to discuss. Uh, parties who are participating, please introduce yourself for the record. Good morning. Uh, my name is Heather Zugantovich, and I am the Chief Direct Services uh, Officer for the Housing and Revitalization Department. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Member Vice Chair. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, I have no questions at this time. I believe uh, Member Johnson had a few questions now. Okay. Member Johnson, floor is yours, ma'am. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, just really wanted to get an update. I know that someone inquired about uh, the 200 houses during public comment, but would really like to get an understanding of whether or not we are servicing Renew Detroit Year 1 or Renew Detroit Year 2 uh, within these 200 properties. And it, if you can just give an overall update on the status of your work. Absolutely. Um, through the chair. So uh, these are um, our pilot contracts for phase one. Um, so we instead of um, going forward and contracting for all thousand homes at once, um, what we generally do and, and what we have done here is we have contracted for a fraction of those homes first. Um, so that we can test out this program, make sure that it's working as intended um, before locking in significant, even additional funding. Um, and then we will be going back out to bid um, this first quarter um, to get significantly larger contracts with the updates to the scope of work for any lessons learned we had um, from that fall pilot. Um, so all, all 200 that were um, uh, conditionally selected and, and advised that they would have that roof replacement um, uh, in the fall uh, are part of phase one. And the next set of contract um, contracts that we would be bringing to this body later this year um, would be to continue for phase one, that first thousand um, that we selected. Thank you. Through the chair to you. Um, so are you, you said it is a pilot, but you're not doing a pilot with all of the, the contractors because I think you can run into issues with a, a specific contractor, not necessarily um, the roof and the process to replace a roof itself. Yeah, through the chair, that's a great question. So um, certainly we hope that we get additional contractors to bid 
um, every single time we go out to bid. That's why we um, participate and host events like the upcoming Detroit Construction Conference that is this weekend, um, is always to get additional bidders and ideally to, to get the word out to grow additional Detroit contractors or contractors who are hiring Detroiters. Um, we do still need to do that pilot process and, and to the point that you're asking, Councilmember Johnson, um, our goal is to understand how do we best make this process work? Um, uh, for certainly in, involves the contractors who obtain those pilot contracts, but it's more about testing out. We're trying to do a very, very high level of throughput um, and deliver a high volume of large um, invasive replacements or repairs um, in a short period of time. Um, and so in order to do that, I wouldn't want to push a thousand homes through that pipeline immediately. And that's why we went with the smaller number um, to see, can we make it move as fast as we think we can? Um, are we ensuring that we're um, providing um, quality replacements and great customer service for our residents who have been selected for the program? Um, so certainly we hope that the contractors that have participated um, in that pilot set of contracts will continue to move forward. Um, but we're, we continue to be open because we're going to need more capacity than what, what we've already put out. Um, so it's really improving that process um, for both the residents, but also for the contractors um, as we get further into this program and, and proceeding and delivering the program. Thank you for that. Um, so that brings up another question. So um, you are working with other contractors within this program correct because i know that there are so many detroiters that are in desperate need of their roof to be replaced and i'm sure they would really want to expedite this process because this is now moving in the second year after they've completed the application to actually see a roof installed so you have other contractors in addition to dmc consultants that you've already done the pilot process with through the chair, yes, we have. So the um, the pilot contract started, we had four originally that were awarded, but one was unable to be bonded. Um, so we moved forward with those three contracts in the fall. Um, and we definitely are looking, we're still finalizing the number of contracts, but we may have as many as, as 10 or even more than that um, for this next construction year. Um, so we're trying to really, um, one, ensure that we're getting on as many contractors as we can to serve as many residents as possible. So whereas that pilot group was 200, we, we tried to select those with the most urgent conditions out of our conditionally selected um, first 1,000 residents. Um, but for the um, for the next year, we're both going to be thinking about how many homes can we get through? We feel confident we can do a minimum of 400. We may be able to do significantly more, um, but we know we know we can deliver that 400, which is the basis of where we want to start. Um, and by putting out different size of contracts, we also can attract different sizes of contractors. Um, so we want to make sure that we're engaging with with different types of contractors. Some of them can have larger contracts, but that doesn't mean that we don't want to engage some of our smaller um, growing contractors as well. So that's one of the final pieces that we're um, working in participation with um, procurement with um, and and making sure that there are lots of opportunities coming out of these ARPA dollars, not just for the residents that are being served. Thank you. Um, I do know that time is of the essence. Um, I would anticipate Renew Detroit is going to open up another phase this year or that's questionable. It's based on funding. Um, and so I'll do everything that I can to drive roofing contractors to the event. 
um, that's coming up because I do know that it's on the east side in District 4. So uh, we'll do everything we can because this is, I think, an extremely pressing matter for a lot of our residents. So moving as expeditiously as we can, but also maintaining good quality service is extremely important. So thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Any additional questions, colleagues? Uh, Member Vice Chair. Uh, no, no additional questions. Oh, okay, I did have uh, a few. So, uh, our, we've had, un, well, I guess, kind of unseasonably warm weather, um, but it kind of ebbs and flows because um, this is Michigan and it's January. Has work stopped at this point due to uh, weather, or are we still moving forward? Uh, with these rep with these uh, home repairs, and if so, if we have stopped, when are we looking to uh, reconvene the work? Thank you uh, to the chair. So um, we had tentatively um, halted work uh, before the holiday break. Um, what we've done so far is we've gone as far as we can within our current contracts. Right now, generally, there would be a little bit of a stoppage due to weather. As you noted, um, today, uh, some work can be done. Um, with the rain, it still is a little bit um, difficult with, with what we're trying to achieve. But um, what our goal is with these contracts is, is truly to close out um, the, the fall 200, the fall pilot. Um, and in order for us to continue on some of these unseasonably warm days, um, that is why these amendments are in front of you so that we can continue that work right now. So um, at the time being, we really have halted um, starting any new projects to ensure that we're um, working within an active contract that has that contract authority. Um, but with the, um, uh, if we do get an approval, we would be able to start scheduling um, the remaining projects to, uh, to get to completion um, when we have these unseasonably warm days. Thank you. And I know that, uh, we read here that uh, there's part of this contract will go towards uh, providing gutters or repair gutter repairs for some of the new uh, roofs that we have um, had repaired. Uh, is is how how does that work out? I mean, to to me, it sounds like both of them would happen at the same time to ensure our best that uh, the property is you know in its best condition possible. H how does that work? That the the shingling is done, and then later on the 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 gutters. Uh, especially if we're looking at another contract to assist with the gutters for the properties that we've already addressed the roofs on. How, how, can someone tell me how that works? Absolutely. Um, so to the chair, uh, the, the gutter, just to answer your direct question, gutter replacements always have to come after the reshingling occurs. Um, so the, the very high level process of replacing a roof um, is that you first do the demo, so you remo remove all existing layers of shingles. There could be multiple layers. Um, you inspect the decking. If there is cedar shake or decking that is damaged, um, you have to remove and replace the decking. Sometimes we have to go one layer further um, into the actual carpentry and found, like structure of the home um, to replace our sister trusses. Um, once you've um, fully secured all of the trusses, the decking, that's when you can start um, shingling. So before you shingle, you do ice and water shield. I'm um, sure you're protecting your investment um, from water. Um, and at that time, that's when you can go ahead and re-shingle. And re um, once you do all of that, there is the work that helps you complete that project, which is around, um, around like framing around it. Um, so you're updating your soffit if it was um, rotted out. Um, the gutters go on last after the painting of your soffit. Um, that is really truly the last thing that happens. 
Um, and same thing with any of the other ancillary items, such as <clears throat> if you need to, um, certainly you're putting in your flashing afterward, but if you need to tuck point your chimney to ensure that there's not water um, infiltrating into your shingles or under your shingles from there. Um, so the gutters definitely are that last piece. Um, to be completely transparent, there actually has been a supply chain issue with getting gutters in. So it is a, not only a natural item to come last, but it is also um, a construction issue right now that is coming last. So in, in many instances, we're able to reshingle almost always the demo and reshingle is happening within one to two days. Um, and then it's the matter of finishing all of that, that work that comes um, as a supplemental to the roof replacement. Um, so it does not remove in any way, shape, or form the quality of the roof replacement that you're receiving. But in our opinion, it is a critical part um, that we want to deliver to ensure that um, residents are in a better space going forward. Um, many roof replacement programs, um, or even if you were as a, as a um, private resident to request a roof replacement, it would never automatically include those things. The reason why we're including them is to try and ensure that we're putting those residents in the best situation where water is coming away from the house and not adding to um, any deterioration going forward. No, that absolutely makes sense. And so are, are we talking about the same contractor that uh, d did the roof is also doing the, um, I guess, demo, the roof, uh, shingling, uh, the gutters as well, all the same contractor? Are we looking at different contractors doing those different um, uh, parts of the process? Great question. So the way that we do it is we have one contractor per property. Yeah. Um, so when we go out to bid, we require that the contractors show that they have the ability to provide each of these services. Um, and the reason why we do that is because we want to make sure that there is a complete and succinct warranty for the resident. We don't want to deliver to the resident a situation where they um, have to call one contractor if they have a question about the shingles, but calling a different one with the gutters and calling a different one for uh, any soffit or, or potential tuck tuck pointing. Um, so they may have multiple subs. I know it, definitely in many instances, we're finding that these contractors often have very specific roofing crews, and then they have very specific gutter crews, um, but they're all coming under the umbrella of one general contractor so that the resident has uh, a more seamless experience um, in the warranty period. Right, that makes sense. Thank you. Colleagues, any additional questions for line item 6.2? Seeing none, is there a motion? Move to send line item 6.2 to formal with the recommendation to approve. There's a motion to send line item 6.2 to formal with the recommendation to approve. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Very welcome. Line item 6.3, submitting a report relative to the request to rezone uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven properties on Pennsylvania Avenue from R R2 designation to a PD. Uh, colleagues, we did have an opportunity to speak with the City Planning Commission and they're requesting a one week bring back on this item uh, to provide that report to us. Is there a motion, colleagues, for a one week bring back for line item 6.3? So moved. There's a motion to bring back line item 6.3 uh, in one week. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Thank you. Moving on to line item 6.4, submitting report and proposed ordinance to amend chapter 50 of the 2019 Detroit City Code zoning by amending article uh, 17, zoning district maps section 50-17-50, uh, district map number 54, uh, to revise an existing uh, zoning 
P1 open parking zoning classification to a B4 general business zoning classification. Uh, will the parties who are participating please introduce yourself for the record? Motion to discuss, colleagues. I think I so I asked that. Thank you. Good morning, Mr. Chair. Chris Gulak, LPD, CPC staff. Good morning, sir. All right, colleagues, any questions and concerns regarding this particular item? It's zoning, so just wanted to make sure we had folks queued up if you need them. All right, it looks like we Good morning, care. council members. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Colleagues, any uh, questions on this particular item? All right. Is there a motion for this particular line item, colleagues? Line um, item 6.4. Yes, sir. Move to uh, send to formal, or I'm sorry, move to receive and file. Line item 6.4. It's a, it's a, or is this an ordinance? It's an ordinance attached to it. Sorry, pardon me. Uh, and the ordinance attached, attached to it moves to uh, send to formal for introduction and setting of a public hearing. Thank you. There is, uh, mo can, should we also, should there also be a motion to receive and file the report? I believe so. Um, because I think this is a, a, a report as well as an ordinance. So, Member Vice Chair, can we also get a motion? Well, you know what, let's do it. Let's do one at a time. Okay. My apologies. Yeah, no, no problem. So I make a motion to receive and file line item 6.4 first. There's a motion to receive and file the report in line item 6.4. Any objections? Seeing none, that action shall be taken. Member Vice Chair. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Then I move to uh, send line item 6.4 of the proposed ordinance to formal for the introduction and setting of a public hearing. There's a motion to send line item 6.4, the ordinance and that particular item, uh, to formal uh, to, uh, for introduction and to set a public hearing. Seeing no objections, those actions shall be taken. Thank you all for joining us. Line item 6.5, uh, submitting report and proposed ordinance uh, to amend Chapter 50 of the 2019 Detroit City Code Zoning by amending Article 17, Zoning District Map, Section 50-17-48, District Map Number 46. Is there a motion to discuss and or approve, colleagues? Uh, Mr. Chair, I'm familiar with this information. I don't have uh, any questions on this. I don't know if you do. No, sir. Uh, but if not, I move to send to formal with a recommendation to approve. There's a motion to send to formal. Uh, is that to set an introduction, Member Vice Chair? Because this one is Sorry. similar to the last one with the report. Similar to the last one. Sorry. No problem. So uh, I move to submit the report uh, first of line item 6.5. Uh, to receive and file the submitted report, pardon me. There's a motion to receive and file the report in line item six and five, seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Member Vice Chair. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Then further, I move to take the proposed ordinance and send to formal for introduction in the setting of a public hearing. Thank you, sir. There's a motion to send line item, the ordinance in line item 6.5 to formal for introduction and to set a public hearing. Any objections? Seeing none, those actions shall be taken. Thank you. On to line item 6.6 is another one. <laughs> to amend chapter 50 of the 2019 Detroit City Code Zoning by amending Article 17, Zoning District Maps, Section 50-17-2, District Map Number 1, to revise the existing zoning uh, R3 low-density residential district 
to a SD2, which is a special development district. College, is there a motion to discuss and or uh, interests approve? Uh, move to discuss uh, or move to discuss and then I would make the motion. I have no further discussion. Third time is the charm. <laughs> move to receive and file the report from line item 6.6. There's a motion to receive and file the report in line item 6.6. .6. Any objection? Seeing none, that action shall be taken. Member Vice Chair. Thank you, Mr. Chair. And for the proposed ordinance in line item 6.6, .6, I move to send to formal for the introduction and setting of a public hearing. There's a motion to send to formal the ordinance in line item 6.6 .6, uh, for the setting of, uh, for introduction and the setting of a public hearing. Any objections? Seeing none, those actions shall be taken. Thank you. Line item 6.7, submitting, this is from the Historic Designation Advisory Board, submitting resolution authorization uh, for certified lo local government grant resolution to provide historic preservation training to the city of Detroit, a certified local government. Colleagues, we did have an opportunity to speak with uh, HDAP, and they indicated that um, they wanted to uh, make a few changes and then resubmit this particular uh, grant. Uh, so, colleagues, is there a motion to remove line item 6.7 from the agenda? So moved. Seeing no objections, we shall remove line item 6.7 from the agenda. An action shall be taken. Thank you. Line item 6.8, submitting resolution authorization uh, to submit a grant application to the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development for the Choice Neighborhoods Implementation Supplemental Grant. Colleagues, is there a motion to discuss, please? So moved. Thank you. Will the parties who have information on this item please queue up? And when you see yourself on the screen, please introduce yourself for the record. Good morning. I'm Alexis Alexander, Choice Neighborhoods Project Manager. Good morning. All right, if you can uh, let the public know, talk to the public about what this item is, please. Uh, through the chair, um, we are uh, taking advantage of an opportunity to request supplemental funding um, through HUD's Choice Neighborhoods Fiscal Year 22 uh, Notice of Funding Opportunity. Um, they have permitted communities that were awarded Choice Neighborhood grants in prior years, including the 2020 year in which the City of Detroit was awarded a grant um, for the Greater Corktown neighborhood. Um, these communities have been invited to apply for additional funding um, to help combat increases in the cost to construct housing. Um, our community has been impacted by this. Um, as we've looked at our own uh, housing plan, we've seen a 58% increase. Um, and so as one tool to combat that, we are seeking um, approval to submit an application uh, requesting up to $5 million um, to assist us in completing this project. Thank you. And I think I heard within your response, uh, the res potential response to the question I'm asking. But uh, again, you mentioned, and we've seen as well, that uh, the Corktown neighborhood has received this uh, funding in the past. Uh, we have other SNF neighborhoods and other neighborhoods that could certainly benefit from this type of uh, funding assistance to help spur uh, housing development. Uh, can you explain uh, why, again, are we looking at utilizing this, this grant uh, in the Corktown neighborhood 
uh, as opposed to uh, any other neighborhood that would qualify in the city of Detroit. And maybe there are other applications that are that are uh, circulating or that will be coming to us. But if you can explain that, Ms. Alexander, I would appreciate it. Uh, to the chair, um, this particular opportunity is at this time restricted um, to existing applicants. Um, and so our response um, builds on uh, that award that the city received um, in May of 2021, um, for which the Greater Corktown neighborhood was selected. Um, so that is why this supplemental application um, would focus again on that community. Got it. I thought I heard that answer in there. But my other question is, are, are there any other opportunities for other neighborhoods that could potentially qualify uh, for choice neighborhood um, grant implications or, or supplemental grants? Uh, to the chair, there um, in future years, um, that is something that could be explored. Um, it is just a matter of um, pulling together enough support to put forth a, a competitive application. Okay. Thank you so much. Colleagues, any additional questions on line item 6.8? Seeing none, is there a motion for line item 6.8? I move that we take line item 6.8 and send to formal with a recommendation to approve. As a motion to approve and send to formal with a recommendation to approve, line item 6.8, send it to formal with a recommendation to approve. Seeing no objections, then action shall be taken. Thank you. All right, colleagues, on to planning and development department. Line item, if we can take line item 6.9 through 6.12, please, that are all four line items are land sales that. Uh, actually, the Housing and Revitalization Department has requested to bring back in two weeks because of concerns they have with uh, what's been proposed to us. Uh, so, colleagues, is there a motion to bring back line item 6.9 through 6.12 in uh, two weeks? So moved. The motion to send line item 6.9 or bring back uh, line item 6.9 and 6.12 in two weeks. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. I, I will say, though, supplementary, as a supplemental uh, comment, that uh, the, the concerns that we saw in these items are things that really should be taken care of before it comes to this table. Um, as the chair, uh, we don't like a lot of things just glutting our uh, agenda. Um, and again, these are items that, you know, in my opinion, what we've seen in the past should have been addressed before they reach the table. So again, I know everyone's working as hard as they can. If we can ensure that we address these concerns uh, beforehand so that we do not have to have them on the agenda and keep pushing them back uh, a few weeks uh, beyond where we should. Thank you. Thank you for your hard work. All right, line item 6.13. There we go. Submitting resolution authorization for transfer of, jurisdic transfer of jurisdiction of real property uh, from the Planning and Development Department to the Department of Parks and Recreation. Colleagues, any questions, concerns uh, on this particular item, or is there a motion to approve? Motion I'll to discuss. Move to discuss. I, I believe Member Johnson has a few questions. A motion to discuss. Member Johnson. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Just wanted to see if someone could um, just share with the public what this line item is about. There was a question during public comment. All right. 
Uh, who do we have joining us today with information on this item? Um, I am Natalia Henderson um, from GSD representing Parks and Recs. This item is simply a transfer of jurisdiction from PDD um, to the Parks and Recs. These are existing parks or will be extensions of parks in the coming future. Member Johnson, I don't know if you wanted to go a little more detailed or if that was enough for you. Well, I, I was aware because there's one in my district and I know the intersection of the um, existing park on Three Miles. So just wanted to make sure the public was aware that, you know, the city would be using the um, these addresses in these lots to expand existing pocket parks throughout uh, various communities in the city. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, uh, Member Johnson. And uh, Ms. Henderson, do you want to add to that at all? There is nothing uh, that we would like to add. These, as I stated before, these are just parks or um, there's a host of them that are already existing parks. It's simply that we've just had to transfer the jurisdiction. There are a few that we will be used to extend a few parks. Right, thank you. Uh, Member Vice Chair, I saw your hand, but I want to go to uh, Attorney Langston uh, first. Uh, it seems like he may have something he wants to add. The floor is yours, sir. Please introduce yourself for the uh, Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, my name is Attorney Matthew Langston. I am uh, uh, within the Housing and Revitalization Department. Um, just to shed a little bit of light uh, briefly on what these are. Uh, these are all parcels that are already city parcels. They were being uh, controlled by the planning and development department a long time ago. I believe basically there was an error in which uh, departments were supposed to be in control of the land. So these transfers are simply to transfer control of these uh, parcels back to their the appropriate location, uh, the, the Department of Parks and Recreation. So there's no transfers in and out of the city and no funds being expended they are just it's just an administrative thing to make sure that the parks department has control over uh, what goes on on their parcels thank you member vice chair thank you mr chair and that pretty much answered my question i want to just dig a little bit deeper uh, relative to the transfer uh, particularly for transparency uh, pub of the public who are listening um, a comment will be, I, I hope to see uh, the plans for these parks uh, pretty soon. A few of them are in my district uh, and looking forward to that. So thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Colleagues, is there a motion for line item 6.13? I move to send line item 6.13 to formal with a recommendation to approve. As a motion to send line item 6.13 to formal with a recommendation to approve. Seeing no objections, then action shall be taken. Thank you. Line item 6.14, submitting resolution authorization uh, for the City of Detroit Redevelopment Project Area, uh, public on-premise liquor licenses, recertification of investment information in real and personal property. Uh, will the parties who are participating please queue up? Colleagues, is there a motion to discuss, please? So moved. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Elias, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Please introduce yourself for the record. Good morning, Amanda Elias, uh, Senior Advisor for Government Affairs in the Mayor's Office. All right, so uh, if you can talk to the public and let them know what this item is before us, please. Yep, so um, on September 11th, 2018, um, this honorable body adopted a resolution that uh, designated a redevelopment project area in the city of Detroit, and I believe you have the attachment um, with the map. 
Um, and so under Michigan law, um, that would allow for the Michigan Liquor Control Commission to issue um, public on-premise liquor licenses um, to businesses that um, are essentially uh, approved by the Liquor Control Commission. Um, and so uh, as part of that law, there's an affidavit that needs to come from the city assessor uh, every three years, um, certified by the city clerk. And um, what that does is um, state the total amount of investment in real and personal property with in the city's redevelop the designated redevelopment project area. Um, and so at this time that affidavit needed to be updated. Uh, and so what you have in front of you is an, an updated affidavit from our uh, city assessor. Um, and so we are here today requesting that uh, your honorable body adopt the, um, the resolution accepting that affidavit. All right, thank you. Colleagues, any questions, concerns regarding this item? I just got one real quick. What's the, what, what are the boundaries, the defined boundaries of the redevelopment project area? Uh, let me see if I have that map. Um, so I have the map if you want me to share that. Sure, please. So this is the map that was uh, approved in 2018. So everything in green are the business districts. Okay. So as we, just for the public, as you can see, it's also uh, not just in the downtown area, but along some of the uh, thoroughfares as well in our neighborhoods, allowing for our local businesses and well, all of it's local, but our neighborhood businesses to also benefit from this as well. All right. Thank you. Colleagues, any additional questions, concerns regarding this item? Seeing none, is there a motion for line item 6.14? I move to send line item 6.14, the form of the recommendation to approve. There's a motion to send line item 6.14, the form of the recommendation to approve. Seeing no objections, then action shall be taken. Thank you. Line item 6.15, submitting resolution authorization for pro property sale of 16901 Livernois to Cheryl Anderson Small. Is there a motion to discuss, please? So move. Thank you. Uh, Attorney Langston, thank you for joining us again. I see Mr. Gulak there. Uh, question, this property sale is for $26,330. Uh, that's a sizable amount considering the uh, property sales that we've seen that come before us, not necessarily been that high. I mean, it's, we're not talking about a crazy amount of money, but it did stand out a bit when I saw that, that number. Uh, how do we get to the 26330 uh cost on that particular property? Whoever has the information. Uh, Mr. Mr. Chair, um, yes, sir. again, Attorney Matthew Langston from the Housing and Revitalization Department. Um, the Through the chair, uh, the prices uh, that the parcels are generally sold for are negotiated uh, through our brokers. I believe in this instance, and I'm trying to, uh, filibuster while I pull up the file, but I believe that is based on uh, a per square footage amount that they use to negotiate. So generally when buyers come to the city, they submit the application uh, with a proposed amount that they would uh, be willing to pay. And then that generally will work as the starting point from uh, which that negotiation of price would take place. So that is uh, the cost of these properties are generally something negotiated by the brokers. Uh, the 
price per square foot in this uh, area was estimated to be uh, by the broker at $6 per square foot. So I believe that that is the the number used uh, and the correlating number used to negotiate that final cost. Um, it's not being sold as an, a, an adjacent uh, parcel that would qualify for um, a, a smaller price because this is parcels uh, being proposed to be used for um, commercial residential parking for uh, the purchaser's tenants. So I believe those are all factors that, that went into the calculation of that final price that was agreed to. Okay. Thank you. And, and it, it's, it's being sold as is because I looked at it, the property and it, it, it definitely is a parking lot of concrete, but it has, um, it looks like some type of utility uh, structure next to it. Um, and in the back, it appears that there's some uh, vegetation. Uh, we're talking about being sold as is, correct? That is correct. Uh, part of the purchaser's proposal was to uh, clear the property of all of the debris and the um, existing issues that would uh, make it unusable. So all that vegetation has been proposed as part of their application to be uh, removed as well. Any types of trash and things that might be existing on the property and lot so that uh, it may be utilized as parking for tenants. Okay. All right. Thank you. Colleagues, any additional questions, concerns regarding line item 6.15? Seeing none, is there a motion? I move to send line item 6.15 to formal with a recommendation to approve. There's a motion to send line item 6.15 to formal with a recommendation to approve. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Thank you. And that takes us to the end of our agenda. We're now at members' reports. Uh, Member Vice Chair. Thank you, Mr. Chair. And just very quickly, I would like to remind members uh, of District 7, community members of District 7, that we are holding our District 7 community engagement meeting this upcoming Tuesday on the 24th uh, at 6 p.m. Again, this is our monthly meeting that we have, and we're uh, back into the new year, so it's our first one of the year. Uh, and at this meeting, we will have a host uh, of uh, resources for folks in various city departments from DWSD, which will be talking about the end of the water moratorium, as well as other departments from Detroit, the Detroit Police Department and the Department of Public Waste. Uh, so I would love for, or Public Works, should I say, I would love for the community to join us uh, at this meeting again. That is January the tw January the twenty fourth, this upcoming Tuesday, at six p.m. And we will be sending the Zoom link out. Uh, via our text message service as well as via email. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Member Johnson. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Just want to remind District 4 residents that we are also kicking off our monthly uh, meetings on Monday, January 23rd. Um, we did push it back a week because of MLK Day, and so it's typically the third Monday of the month. But it will be this coming Monday, January 23rd at 5.30 p.m. It is a virtual session. We are um, welcoming the University of Michigan's Poverty Solutions to have a discussion about land contracts and what to look for in a land contract if uh, you are looking to enter into such an agreement. Um, the We want to be mindful of the other evening event that's taking place with the 5th Precinct. The commander at the 5th Precinct is also hosting a coffee and chat at the Salvation Army beginning at 6 p.m. 
Uh, and so we will make sure that our discussion is from 5.30 until 6.30, giving folks the opportunity to go and meet and greet the commander at the Samaritan Center uh, just down the street from the 5th Precinct. That concludes my report. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, to keep the thing going, um, our District 1 monthly meeting will be taking place on January 28th, uh, which I believe was next weekend. I'm kind of lost. Yep, next weekend, uh, next Saturday, uh, 10 a.m. at the uh, Edison Center. Uh, for those who may not be aware, it's on Seven Mile between uh, Grand River and Telegraph. If you would like um, specific location, um, please email our office. You can do so at councilmembertate at detroitmi.gov, or you can give us a call at 224-1027. We also have it posted out there on social uh, and also on the website. Um, we do also have a, a hybrid opportunity for those who may not be able to uh, arrive pers in person, um, and the coordinates will be uh, provided as well. We will be um, giving an update on the City of Detroit's uh, adult use uh, cannabis ordinance, where we stand there, and introducing the community to some of the uh, recent awardees. Uh, also, will be uh, graced by the presence of Council President, and where she will be uh, discussing the reparations uh, task force. Uh, in addition to that, there's this huge development. I know, uh, Member uh, Vice Chair, I'm sure you've seen it as well because it's right uh, on our borders. Uh, I-96 and the Southfield Freeway, it is huge. And a lot of folks have asked the question, what in the world is it? So we're going to have the developers there to talk about um, what, what it is and how they're going to move forward with community engagement. Uh, and potentially how we're, they're looking to hire from the community. Uh, we also, as always, have our youth spotlight. So we have a young person that's going to knock your socks off and impress everyone. Um, and if you have an opportunity to tune in, even if it's just for that segment, to show love to that young person. It's a great opportunity for them to, to feel the love um, in, in person and, and deeply. So that's this, uh, excuse me, uh, January 28th. D1 monthly meeting starting at 10 a.m. We're also going to be bringing back our satellite hours, thankfully, uh, in February uh, over at the Motor City Java House, and that's at 10 a.m. until 11.30 p.m., the first one beginning on February 3rd, and then the second on, I believe that's February 17th. So a lot of engagement. We're getting back to some of what we were doing before, um, but still keeping in mind that uh, we want to keep people safe in this era of uh, the pandemic, or whatever we call it, endemic now, I think that's the name. Um, but either way, uh, just invite everyone to come on down and join us. With that being said, that's the end of my member reports. Colleagues, is there a motion to adjourn? So moved. Thank you. Uh, without any further ado, this meeting is adjourned. Thank you all for your patience and your participation. <laughs>